0: Welcome to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. And as it is the first podcast of 2023, may I take this opportunity to wish you and your family a happy new year. Today, I am starting the year as I mean to go on with another great guest. Today's guest is David Shelton. David is a sports psychologist who helps athletes, coaches, and teams of all levels. From the motivated and talented youngster up to the experienced professional who competes internationally. Typically, his clients are looking to perform more consistently in their chosen sport and deal with the pressures that they face better. David supports them by developing their mental toughness using evidence based tools from sport and organisational psychology alongside personal insights. As well as working in sport, he also enjoys supporting senior leaders, entrepreneurs, and business professionals to better deal with the pressures and stresses that they face in their lives and work. Welcome to the podcast, David. It's so good to have you on this episode. Yeah,
1: likewise. Yeah, thank you for the invite. It's, um, yeah, I can't wait to get started.
0: Okay, so I'm going to ask you the same question I ask all my guests. What is your money
1: story? So yeah, my money story, I would say it's it's evolved over time, to say the least. You know, if I go back to the my younger days or early, early 20s, um, I think certainly my parents have had a well they have had a big impact. Um and maybe the, the northeast culture as well. Um, you know, that in the northeast here, I live what, 15 minutes away from Newcastle upon Tyne. I think it's fair to say that it's not the most affluent area, if you like. Um, there's a lot of industry, although it is it is changing and it has changed a lot over the last 20 odd years. I think that's had a bearing certainly on my parents' attitude towards money, and then that's likewise had the had the shift. Um, uh, but certainly, you know, I think life events different stages in my life have meant that the this story that I build up in my head has most definitely changed.
0: And are you aware of what has changed over the years? Yeah, so I think a big a big value
1: of my dad's would be if if a job needs done, do it yourself. Um whereas from what, what i've learned with through my work and then from other people i suppose i see well successful people um let's not to say my dad's not successful but yeah i sort of see successful people who are maybe earning a lot of money and they've got a a, a, a more lavish lifestyle are very good at delegating and actually yes seeking out help um so i've, I've always had that battle i, th- I would say and going back to the the whole um, life events, when when different things have happened, maybe I do re- revert back to type, um, where you you try to do too much yourself. So it, it's something I'm I'm aware of, and I have to keep, I suppose, journaling about it and rem- reminding myself.
0: And are you aware that you want your children to have a different money story to the one that you brought through from your childhood? Good question.
1: Um, it's I suppose it's not something I've thought about too much uh, with children, but now you've mentioned it, I'm, sh- I'm sure I'll, I'll give it give it some thought. I, I suppose, well, getting back to the whole thing about delegating and paying for services, I would like them to take take that approach because I, I do believe it'll it'll create a less stressful life for them. They'll play play to their strengths, um, and then again, if you know, we are talking about. Maybe earning a bigger income and having a, um, so seeing the world and adventurous and and things like that. I think that'll all tie in nicely.
0: Mm, Absolutely. You know, I know. You know, with my children, you know, I we've always encouraged them to work. You know, for what they want. So in terms of pocket money, etc., it has been you know a reward based. You know, they have to empty the dishwasher. They have to. Put out the recycling, etc. And now my 16-year-old is able to get a, a Saturday job. That is because we want him, in particular at his age, to have that awareness of the value of money, and not just to see mum and dad as you know the bank of of mum and dad. And <laughs> you know that's that's a lesson he is definitely taking on board, particularly as he has. Very expensive tasting clothes. So, you know, we've had to educate him that there's certain things that we will, of course, provide, but if he wants to go over and above that, then he has to be thinking about saving. And that is a foreign word, you know, in his vocabulary.
1: Yeah. I suppose, well, my eldest is seven, and I think we're starting to to get to that stage where he's starting to understand more about money. Um, but, well, he, he receives 10 pounds a month and it's gone by, by the, by the first of the month. He's always asking when the first is, and you know, we, we, we talk about, well, you know, if you save part of that, you'll be able to buy more things further down the line, but he, he just, yeah, he hasn't quite got that. But certainly, as you say about emptying the dishwasher and things like that, um, yeah, that, I think that's probably going to be a conversation me and my wife will be having in the near, in the near future. <laughs> really
0: and what would you, knowing what you know now, what would you have changed about your relationship with money sooner? Ooh.
1: So going back to those life events, I would say I've been guilty of what I call as comparisonitis. Mm. <laughs> so... For, well, yeah, I'll throw I'll throw a big big life event two thousand and seven eight. My my wife had got diagnosed with cancer, and she she sadly passed away like fifteen months after she'd she'd been diagnosed. Then six around about six months later, I got made redundant from my job, so I had a obviously dealing with grieving yeah. difficult scenario. Then got made redundant, and I, I made a. A brave decision to, to have a career change so i went from working i was a branch manager in the travel industry to then wanting to go down the route of being qualified as a sports psychologist so completely different to do that i needed to go back to university do a full-time degree for three years then do a master's degree for for two years which i did part-time and so during that period obviously there was there was challenging enough with the the grieving and then different networks and being around lots of younger people um but I think what, what what I what I found was I well I had to go back to basics I'd been used to going on holiday three four times a year nice hotels lovely uh lovely lifestyle so I had to go back to basics but yeah, I got. I did get drawn into for quite a period where I would look at friends and get into yeah, com- comparing what they're earning, what I was earning, and it was such an uncertain process as well. The retraining, it was it was difficult. Um, the financially as well, having to to say no a lot to to going out socially and then holidays and things like that really. Um, I don't know. It, I'm not quite sure where I'm going with that one now, but but certainly it it just it made me really think an awful lot about the the money and where I wanted to get to in the in, in the future.
0: And I think you know that that's the thing. Very often, you know, with many parts of our life, we can just get on that on a particular path and just continue without actually thinking about what else we could do, how differently we could do things. And it's only when, as you say, a big life event happens. For lots of us, that tends to be you know, a particular decade, our 30s, our 40s, our 50s, is when we stop and actually assess where we want to go to next. But I can imagine when something traumatic like losing your wife happens, Again, you don't necessarily sit down and think, "Okay, how am I going to plan out this next stage of my life?" It just happens, and you just go on a particular path until you get to a point where you actually think, "Is this for me? If do I want to carry on down this particular path?"
1: Yeah, I suppose for me, I I I did actually take that step back and did really like a whole lot of reflection because I took three months off work for a period. And um, it, the, I think it was at that point where I was thinking, well, look, you know, you've got to, you're going to have a life to live here. And, you know, are you happy doing what you're doing? What what are you going to, going to do? So I'd, I had that sort of, that longer term goal, but the, I didn't have the self-awareness around, you know, falling into that those traps of being jealous and being a bit resentful and angry about friends really. And, you know, when I, when I look back, I think now I've learned this one off my own podcast. And in some ways, I think when you feel those strong emotions about other people, that's actually your stuff. It's not their stuff. Um, and yeah, it, it's worth just digging a little bit deeper to understand what what that's all about. Um, otherwise, you'll just keep, um, keep getting upset and it switches, which is really unhelpful.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, and that's a massive thing, isn't it? It, it is not its a massive epiphany when you realise that you feel feelings of dislike or loathing or something stronger for other people based on the success that they're having, the things that they're doing that you are not doing, and that switch or that self education that. Actually, what I'm doing is transferring my feelings about myself and the things I'm not doing and not achieving onto somebody else, and mm-hmm. that that can be very, very uncomfortable to do because up until that point, you were batting it back and blaming it on somebody else, they're feeling they're less, they're less than rather than actually you are the one that is feeling.
1: Less than uh, yeah, and that's really interesting and open something up so if i if I go back to my previous career, there was always a level of frustration there I would say where i I was always the type who would work hard and i would well I'd probably work too hard in all honesty for not for not enough money, and i would also I'd always work up the ranks, but yeah i'd be if if there was there were certain friends who would talk a lot about money and there were there were very um what, what's the word but very what I would say materialistic and I didn't like spending time with them people but again because it because of those feelings that I, I just mentioned earlier but again that was more about my stuff I think where mm. I was I was probably quite frustrated in the career that I was in where now okay I went through a period where I wasn't earning a great deal of money and it was difficult but I certainly, I probably didn't have that that level of frustration when those conversations took place because I always had my eye on right. This is where I want to get to, and essentially, I was taking responsibility and I was I was trying to make things happen rather than just just let things happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting as you were talking there, sort of popped into my mind that self awareness when you're going through that process of self awareness, it can be a really uncomfortable painful thing to go through a little bit like the phrase ignorance is bliss and sometimes just not having that awareness of the need to change in you until you start going through that process and then coming out the other end and realizing well actually I am a better person I have a better understanding I can change that internal conversation I'm having with myself in doing what you do as a sports psychologist, when your clients come to you as sports professionals, are they are they much more blinkered or bunker mentality probably it's a private description? Do they have much more of a bunker mentality in terms of being focused entirely on their performance or is there that comparitomitis that drives a professional sports person to want to be better as well.
1: Ooh, that, now yeah, with the professional, if we go with football for argument's sake, um certainly the I would say the younger players, the what where we're talking maybe what, 18 up to 21, 20, ish I think there's a an awful lot of that comparison going on where the looking at their their colleagues who've maybe gone out on loan to a club or looking at how successful one of one of their friends is is, is um being um and then you know that 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 likely as well will be where they'll be looking at cars and bank balances as well and how much they're getting paid so there's definitely a lot of extrinsic things going on there uh too too much in my eyes and i suppose that's my role to try and bring them back to what is it you actually need to do to, to get to that level? Um, so, so yeah, it's managing that, that jealousy, I suppose. Um, where if, if you look at, I think as if you look at other, other sports, so golf's another sport I'm heavily involved in and at the lower level, there's not, there's not much money in the game. Um, but I, th- I think, so I think what, what happens there is the that, that for a lot of them, there's not a huge amount of thought with regards to to money other than the fact that actually right i need i'm playing here to to earn money and to to have sort of some sort of income but a lot of them will have sponsorship and and different deals i think their their relationship when it comes down to money it ends up getting back to their technical side of their 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 golf swing or their putting that that side of thing and and the, I suppose yeah, the financial worries end up bringing bringing it back to that, and where they put a lot more pressure on themselves because then they're not the professional footballer who's getting paid um and a nice salary even at the age of eighteen.
0: And with successful sports people, what what you know when they have reached a particular level, what comes first? Is it their performance or their rewards? Are the rewards just the the output, you know, of their performance, or at that stage, are they more motivated by the rewards?
1: Well, if you, if you look at super successful people, of well, let's go Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal, that type of person, Novak Djokovic, and you know these guys are they're chasing trophies essentially. That that's that's their that's their job, and that's what they've been doing their their whole careers. Uh what was interesting I noticed in at Wimbledon this year, so Djokovic played Nick Kyrgios and so Nick Kyrgios, Australian tennis player, and he turned around and said before the before they played that I think he would he would sort of die happy if he if he won one and that was it. So that showed a, a very different mentality to the super successful person in Djokovic and uh, the other guys. And sure enough, uh, Djokovic won, which I think to me just shows that that level of hunger that that he's got, um, and then that desire to where, where they're looking at the trophies, but then they're breaking it down to the the processes, just like we do in in business. Yeah. Um, you'll have your what your your financial rewards that you want to earn, but actually to get there, you've got to break it down to the the boring, simple things that you do day in day out,
0: and. I'm, I'm very aware, you know, in the coaching world, as I'm sure you are as well, that you know a whole lot of business success comes down to you know our sense of self worth, self value, and being able to amp that up as we as much as we can to ensure we're doing those things we need to do in order to have you know, a successful business, and. As I'm sitting here talking to you, I presume the same is exactly the same when it comes down to the most successful sports people, successful sports people. It does come down to their self-belief that they can actually have that success.
1: Yeah, I think with a lot of sports people, you find that their, their self-worth is tied into their performance and that that is not a, not a good combination there. So they've got it's certainly in my role, you are you, trying to 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 manage that uh, hugely. Um I suppose what you what you're trying to do is you're trying to help them recognize what their what their values are as a whole in their life, their their roles, if they're a husband, a wife, um, a brother, a sister, different things. And and often what you what you actually may encourage as well is finding other avenues other things outside of their their sport um i mean it's frowned upon by some coaches um i suppose if, you look, if let's go back a few years when david beckham was on the scene he he was david beckham the footballer but he was also david beckham the brand if you like where he had so many things going on off the football pitch and you know some coaches do not like that whatsoever but actually that was probably quite healthy for him is it builds up his sense of of self worth, and I know, I know I've I've spoken to different professional athletes, and they 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 like that. Term. They like having different things outside of their sport because often the, the guys who don't are the ones whose self worth, self esteem, just nosedives dives when everything goes wrong on the on the pitch or
0: the or the course. And they pro- they probably have a harder landing when things go wrong because all they have in inverted commerce all they have is their sports career you know that that's a, you know that's a really insightful comment because actually you could play that absolutely into probably the business world because you know a lot of you know our people running businesses do tend to be very 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 focused on their business and when something doesn't work, in their business the only place they've got to to go to is a place of feeling less than possibly despair depending on what's going on so i think you know that's a really good thing for you know for, for me and all our listeners to be thinking about actually developing that sense of success right across the board be that through i don't know charity initiatives or external activity where as you say you can increase your sense of self-worth and self-value that you are validated in other ways other than just your business
1: yeah you've got me thinking now about a model in in psychology so it's from a theory called self-determination theory basically you've got the you've got the three basic psychological needs for autonomy so having a sense of control over your destiny, you've got relatedness. So really it's being connected to other people and nature. And then the third one's about competence, which is like mastery of the of the task. Um, and if you can get a like a nice blend of the three, then in general, you you you're probably going to be quite happy. It's going to be helpful for your psychological well-being. But certainly as a sports performer or as a business person, if you Put all your eggs in one basket, where you're in that competence basket, yeah. In your yeah working crazy hours, then yeah, it can it can definitely be detrimental to relationships, and then this whole feeling of the sense of autonomy just is is, is thrown right right out of the window. And I think often that can be born out of a, a lack of trust in some ways um, around what it is that you're tra- trying to achieve. And yeah, so, so it sort of links closely with you, your self belief. And I've, yeah, I've been there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that also links, I think, very nicely into, you know, they say that, um, you know, the most financially successful people have at least seven revenue streams, seven income streams. And I suppose that can also help play into that sense of self worth from the perspective of, If one income stream starts to dip or for whatever reason is no longer working, you actually know you've got what else is going on for you from a business perspective where you can turn up a tap or look to see what is going on in a little bit more, in a little bit more, what's what I'm looking for Detached, So in a detached way, because you are not reliant on that one income stream, and therefore panic stricken, if things are not working. So when you've got that going on in your wider life as well, more feeding in to you, filling your cup, then that gives you the ability to be more objective in those other areas where things might not necessarily be going quite as well.
1: Yeah, that that takes us back a little bit to the well, to the delegation angle in some mm-hmm. ways. But I think of a like a tire, and if you're the if you're a good leader or manager, then yeah, you want to be on the outside of the tire, really, where you are. As you say, you you taken taking a bit of a, a step back there, and you you're um yeah, you're delegating various different tasks and empowering people. Whereas the the leader who's in the middle, who's involved in everything. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna wear themselves out and it's yeah it's so easy to do that isn't it as the as the business person and entrepreneur and i think that that is a challenge going back to to sport some sports people will have like a but we say a professional golfer who turns from the amateur level to, to professional that it's it's very different there's so many other things that they have to do so making sure they've got a good management team and a good sort of coaching setup and support system it is, is vital, vital for them.
0: No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I think that that that's exactly it, isn't it? Is when you realize that the importance of you know of your self-worth, your self-value, because you are giving off so much of yourself when it comes to building a business, and doing all those things for yourself, to begin with at least, but recognising you don't have to be good at all of them. You might be a great salesperson, but not quite so good on the marketing side. You might be great at managing numbers, but not so effective at being able to put together a good content plan for your social media, et cetera, et cetera. But I think when you are really self-aware of what you are good at and then happy to let go and say to somebody else, this isn't my strength, can you support me in this area? What you are doing there is being very, very focused on what your skill set is but not being hard on yourself because you haven't got that that ability. And has, does anybody have the ability to be good at everything? And I think for me, coming into this entrepreneurial space 12 years ago, from being in corporate, where you were very much pigeonholed, you were in sales, you were in marketing, you were in finance, you were in product development. You weren't expected to be good at all of them, but... When you come in to run your own business, it can take a lot of of soul searching to accept that your strengths cannot lie in all those different fields.
1: Yeah, there's, there's something about trying to be perfect there, isn't there? Uh, and, you know, yeah, perfection doesn't exist. Again, it, it's one of, it's certainly one of the things I see in sport, but yeah, massively overlaps into to business. and. Yeah, with I suppose with, with perfection, as you as you say, you you are going to have your strengths. You're going to have areas which you you're not going to be good at. So so yeah, let let's try and delegate those areas. Also, you mentioned there about being hard on yourself. I think the the perfectionists in that respect can be very very self critical, which can then that can then link with their link into their self esteem, their their self worth. So it's something to I think it's something to factor in is trying to be kinder to yourself. I know of a therapeutic technique, uh, it's called compassionate focused therapy, which is that is being kinder to yourself. That's something I use more and more in my work these days. Um, and that yeah, that would be helpful for any of your listeners who fall into fall into that trap. What one other thing on that take as well, when we're talking about perfectionism, the I mean there's a lot of good good things about trying to be. I suppose perfect and do things you you're naturally going to be driven and you're going to be highly motivated. The one other downside I would say is the like the recovery angle. How are you actually going to take good care of yourself and, and rest? You know, as you are you allowing yourself to 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 get enough sleep? Um are you are you giving yourself enough time off? Because again, if I go back to the athlete and I know certainly some of the battles I've had business wise. Um some people, yeah, aren't very good at maybe taking a weekend off or a few are taking holidays and things like that. Um, but actually, longevity wise, you you need to. Otherwise, you're just going to burn yourself out.
0: Absolutely. And I um, did a post in my Facebook group this morning. And I called it um, Wealthcare Wednesdays because being wealthy isn't just a number, you know, in your bank account. It is so much more than that. It's looking after your health. It's looking after your relationships because you need to have that triad going on if truly you're going to have that that level of contentment, that level of satisfaction. And to be able to do the things that you want to do, you need to look after... Your self-care, you need to be healthy, you need to avoid burnout, etc. But I think sometimes, as a business owner, you can become too fixated on that financial target, rather than realising to be truly successful, you need to look after not just the financial aspects, but you need to look after you, and you need to look after those around you. And when you've got that, I think that probably is the, the truest measure of success.
1: Yeah, that takes me back to some conversations I've had with, with different business owners about, I suppose, a, a bigger picture mentality. And from what I've seen, often the, the some business owners can be so fixated with the financial bit that, you know, the thought of taking, say, Eight weeks, ten weeks holiday per year just doesn't enter their head because all the thinking is, well, if I if I'm not working, then I'm I'm losing money essentially. But but yeah, it all becomes part of the the package. So I think that that's definitely something that everybody can 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 benefit from is just trying to see see that bigger picture, that clearer perspective on on what it is that they're i suppose what we yeah, are why why they're working essentially and why they're bringing this money to ideally i would like to think for a lot of people is to you know you you, you don't live to work do you You actually yeah. work to live i yeah. would well that's certainly my mentality absolutely
0: yeah 100% and you don't want to be you know the richest person in the graveyard either do you
1: yeah as a lot of people do that don't they they retire yeah. and then um, within a year or so they've passed away sadly absolutely
0: yeah absolutely so what that's- is next for you david
1: what is next? Um, so, yeah, I'm got, I am suppose I'm going through that process now where, you know, you talk there about seven income streams. Um, I would say I've got two at present. So it's then looking at the third one. Where does that come from? And then once we get that one nailed down, then we'll start thinking about the, the fourth one. But can, actually, can I just rewind back a little bit? Yeah, carry on. When it comes down to, I suppose, my, my career, because when, when I think back, and this is an important one, as a sports psychologist, I, th- I think the field in general is getting. You know, it's, it's quite a new field, and there's there is a lot of like a lack of value in the in the field, and possibly that is the case with mindset in in general. But what what that means when you're going through the the training process, so you do your degree, you do your master's degree then you do a supervised practice period for anywhere between two and four years. During that supervised practice period, you're often told messages like, you know, do it for nothing, do it for free. And I was given those messages and I didn't, I didn't like the messages at the time because I thought, well, I've got four years behind me here as well as a lot of experience. So I'm going to, I'm going to charge for my services. Um, And when I got to the end of the, it was two years for me supervised practice. I charged for some of the time, and I hadn't charged for periods as well. And I got a bit of paper, and I thought, "Oh, great! I've I've, I've made it." But I, I was I was scarred. I think like with the, the financial mm-hmm. side yeah. at that point because I hadn't been charging a great deal, mm-hmm. and it's it's um, it, it was difficult to then shift from charging a like a very low fee to then charging what a really was worth as a as a qualified chartered uh, sports psychologist so um yeah I think we always have to remind ourselves of the like the value that that we actually give to to people
0: absolutely and ma- massively and also to realize that people largely only derive value from something that they're paying for so results do tend to be coming mostly when you have paid to get those results because it's only when you do the work when you have skin in the game. So to advise anybody, you know, don't charge isn't actually going to give either the person doing the practice or the person receiving the service the most benefit because neither are actually feeling valued or gaining value and I think that is where you know a lot of people go wrong when they undercharge actually in undercharging they're doing a disservice to the very person they're trying to help because you know you're probably like me how many freebies have you downloaded or very low-cost courses have you clicked and bought and actually You know, they're gathering dust somewhere on your laptop because you've never found the time to go back and and review them. And that was something I learned very, very, you know, kind of early on in my coaching career was that actually the best thing that you can do is truly charge based on the results you are bringing for your clients. Because those people who value what you're doing, they will do the work. They will get the results and they'll thank you for the part that you played in helping them to get the results. If you're not charging enough and they don't value it, they won't do the work, they won't get the results, and guess who they'll blame? You. <laughs> it won't be them for not doing the work. So I think you know that was a really valid point for you to bring up, that actually that pricing piece has got to be, driven from the perspective of serving and the results that you want your clients to get. And it's only when you hit that sweet spot for the relevant clients, because obviously there'll be different markets and different price points, but for the sweet spot of the clients that you want, if you price yourself well, the results will speak for themselves and the pricing will be the value that it brings for those clients.
1: Mm, yeah no, you you've hit something well, what what I do when I get to get an inquiry through I, I tend to give them two two options so in in the team that we've got there's three of us who are what well, your class is experienced sports psychologists and then we have I've got a number of guys who I who I supervise who are going through that that training process so what I offer the the, the prospective client is, the like a, the larger fee for the the experienced, and then a like a, a lower fee, but still, a, what I think is a is a competitive fee for someone who's going through the training process. But it's quite interesting because I would say, who probably ninety five percent of people will actually pay the largest fee and and pay the money.
0: And it's and it's not like I am comparing your services in any way, shape, or form to a hairdresser. But, you know, hairdressers, you know, in a salon do exactly the same thing. You pay the most for the most experienced hairdresser and you pay the lowest amount for the, the least experienced. But people have the choice. They can decide, you know, where to go. And I think that is what people should be doing is considering who is their client base and how can they most effectively serve them. And that could be by offering a different choice when it comes to how that service is delivered in exactly the way that you've described there. So that's a perfect way to end the conversation. Thank you. How can people connect with you?
1: Yes. Yeah, so my website is the, the 3ws dot sport hyphen excellence dot and it's got a, a range of resources on there from some freebies, um my podcast demystifying mental toughness is as well and truly Listed on there, and there's there's hundreds of blogs as well for the, the sports performer, or the the young child, or parent, um, and I'm yeah, I'm on all of the social media channels. That I suppose if you search for David Charlton, sports psychologist, in LinkedIn, that's probably the the easiest place to find me. So and yeah. don't
0: worry, all of those details will be in the show notes, so that people can easily connect with you. Thank you very much for your time, David. I really, really loved our conversation.
1: Likewise, and I really enjoyed it. So yeah, a a big thank you, Leslie.
0: Thanks very much for listening to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Money and More podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to better understand your relationship with money, then please head to the resources section on my website, the Money Confidence Academy, and download my monthly Money Mindset Audit. This will allow you to create a benchmark for where your relationship with money is right now and allow you to continue to measure it on a monthly basis as you do the inner work to improve it. You will also find a copy of my money archetypes assessment at the same time, which will allow you to start to really understand which are your three primary money archetypes driving your relationship with money and how to use this information to make spend keep and invest more money or if you are a female online business owner why not join my free money confidence community over on facebook a link to the group and other ways to connect with me can be found in the show notes finally if you have enjoyed listening to the podcast please do tell others about it and i would love it if you rated it and gave a review